I'd like to welcome all of you to worship with us this day. And it is good to be together across time and space and place. And we give thanks to God for the gifts of so many who allow us to gather in this way. We begin our service this day in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained minister of the Church of Christ and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, rich in mercy, you look with compassion on this troubled world. Feed us with your grace and grant us the treasure that comes only from you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Our first reading today is going to come from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Of course there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who is his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, 
whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now we have the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 16th chapter. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away to be with the, by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. And this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I'd like to start out with the notion that our gospel text is not a story about what happens when we die. One podcaster or uh, commentator, if you will, that I was listening to about this text said, quote, if we think this is a story about what happens when we die, we have missed the point, end quote. One of the big giveaways on this is that this is another parable. All of chapter 16 in Luke is parables that Jesus told. And parables are stories. They are not literally true and probably didn't factually happen. The second big giveaway is that there is no other place in the Bible where the afterlife is described this way. It uses the term Hades, which is a Greek term for where all souls happen to go when they die. And God does not seem to be present, but rather Abraham seems to be in control of the two realms. So, if we take away the idea that this is a story of what could or could not happen to us when we die, 
what are we left with? And I've found that one interpretation that we are left with is that this is a story about seeing each other's humanity and each other's belovedness as a child of God. The rich man does not see Lazarus's humanity. He shows no regard for him or consideration for him, even though Lazarus is right outside of his house day after day. Even the dogs, and now dogs in biblical times were not like our dogs today, which are well-treated and well-loved and well-fed. These dogs in biblical times, they were always outside with no shelter. They were considered gross and ugly. Being called a dog was a significant insult. They do not carry the same level of dignity that we afford them today. And so the dogs, these somewhat despised beings, show more care for Lazarus and see his humanity than does this rich man. And even when Lazarus is with Abraham and the rich man is being tormented wherever he is, the rich man still does not see Lazarus as fully human because he asks Abraham to ask Lazarus to cool his tongue and then to go and warn his brothers. He does not speak to Lazarus, but continues to treat Lazarus as someone beneath him by asking Abraham to tell Lazarus. And so another way to think about the chasm that separates the rich man from Lazarus and Abraham is that this is what happens between individuals and groups of people who don't see each other as fully human, who don't see each other as a beloved child of God. We do not have to think very hard or very long about the chasms that exist between people and groups of people in our world. How easily we slip into, well, all those people who voted for Biden are idiots, and all those people who voted for Trump have no compassion. How easily we think we know someone's story and why they act, feel, and think the ways that they do. How easily we brush off people's misfortunes as they must have made poor choices so I don't have to help them. We have all been the rich man and we have all been Lazarus. We have all regarded other people as less than human, dismissed them on the basis of one aspect or piece of their identity in order to justify ourselves and make ourselves feel better. We have all been regarded as less than human by someone else, overlooked or looked down on because of the experiences we supposedly lack, a choice we have made, or how much stuff we do or don't have. These chasms between us and others can feel very wide and deep and that there is no way to cross or to repair them. And on our own, none of us can cross or repair any of the chasms that exist between ourselves and others. This is one of the realities of sin in the world. It tries to keep those divisive things front and center in our minds and in the minds of others, preventing us from seeing each other in our full humanity as beloved of God in Christ Jesus. But we do know how to cross these chasms. We cannot do it on our own, but the cross of Jesus Christ has already bridged the distance between you 
and those whose and those whose humanity you forget, between you and those who forget your humanity, and every other divisive space we can think of. The cross of Jesus Christ, which is enough for all people, has already revealed the wholeness of life and radical forgiveness that comes from God in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. In the cross of Christ, you are fully, you are seen fully for who you are and loved beyond all measure. You are forgiven beyond your wildest dreams, and you are freed to live in a way that reflects that love and forgiveness. You are freed to the abundant life God has called you and all people to in Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We will be singing or listening together the hymn, Christ Be Our Light. There's a nice refrain to it, so even if you don't know all of the words or don't have a hymnal with you, I encourage you to sing along uh, to the refrain as you pick it up. Church, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, 
the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And may Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit bless you now and forever. Amen. And we go in peace to share the good news. Thanks be to God.